Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. We're super excited today to be with you and to share with you this awesome podcast that we recorded with one of my most favorite people in the world, or some of my most favorite people in the world, my uncle Mike and my aunt Randy. They're actually some of the people Dallin and I have looked up to most. Dallin's interned with Mike. I've lived with them. They have a wonderful marriage, an amazing family, and incredible careers. Yeah, just a little bit about them. Uh, First about Mike. Since graduating from Westminster College with a bachelor in business management, Mike has gone on to build a successful wealth management business and recently was recognized by Forbes magazine as best-in-state wealth advisor. And he has also served in a few different roles in the LDS church, including as a bishop. Right. And Randy, his amazing wife, my one of my most favorite people in the world, she's my workout partner. She is was like a second mother to me when I moved out here for college. Um, she's the amazing mother to four children, so kind, so smart, and quite literally the fastest runner at our gym. <laughs> Dallin true. and I... It's really true. Have always looked up to Mike and Randy, um, whether that be financially, through their relationship, their family, with each other, or their relationship with their children. And we're just super excited to dive in and share some of their experiences with you guys. So, without further ado, let's dive into the interview with Mike and Randy in the study of their home, is where we were for this. Let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's so good to have you guys with us. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, guys, right now we're in my aunt and uncle's house, their new house that they just built. It's beautiful, and we're super excited to talk to you guys, just like all about their life. Dallin and I have been, I don't know, like we're newly married for the most part and just kind of like struggling through it and having a great time also, but it's been super helpful for us to find couples who we admire and talk to them and try and like pattern our lives after parts of their marriage and their relationship that we admire and that's one of our new favorite things to do with this podcast is to share that with you conversations that we would usually have just in private like the four of us to record and share with you guys and 
This one is really exciting because not only is Randy my favorite aunt, ding, 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 to all my other aunts, I say that to anyone who's in the room with me. <laughs> it's true, I've heard her. But Mike is, he actually did my, so like before I got married, he did my marriage prep class, I guess. A lot of people go to pastors to learn kind of like, what do they call that, Dal? Like pre-marriage, marriage counseling. Marriage counseling, I think? No. Marriage prep? I know a lot of people do this. Like before they get married, they go to their church and there's like a a marriage counseling class that you can take. And Mike did that for me because Dal, and it was just me because Dallin was off the way working. I was pest control. We've talked about that a lot. So he has a special place in my heart for sure. And also he's a financial wizard. So we wanted to kind of spin it um, like marriage advice and just get to know Mike and Randy, but also we have some burning questions about financial security and financial independence and just business. Cause they rocked it. So without further and ado, family and family, of course. Okay. The first question we love to ask is just, how did you guys meet? You tell the story. You're good at it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was in college and I was working at a grocery store and my boss and I would go to the bank to make deposits. I worked in the dairy department and what I found is chicks dig the dairy guy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Cause you get to wear this really nice apron and you normally smell like old yogurt and milk. I know this. I worked at an ice cream store. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Most people don't realize it's pretty cool. So I would go with him to the bank to make deposits and we were at the bank and Randy came into the bank and was making a deposit on the other side of, um, I don't know, kind of a little kiosk. Anyway, we looked over and saw her and, um, it was funny because I'm not usually a normally a a love at first sight kind of guy, but when I saw her, I knew that I needed to talk to her. So, uh, my boss made a little challenge to me. He said, would you ever have enough guts to go up to a girl that pretty and ask her out? And me putting on, uh, you know, my best act to say how brave I was, uh, said that I would. <clears throat> so I went walking over to her. I got about 10 feet away from her and she turned and walked out. And <laughs> I had to walk back over to my boss with my tail between my legs. And he was laughing hysterically. And I sat there feeling, you know, pretty pretty broken hearted because it was, it was really odd because when I saw her, I, I really felt strongly that I needed to go talk to her. And I sat there feeling really bad and kind of kicking myself and regretting the fact that I didn't move quicker. And she came running back into the bank. So this time I moved very quickly and sprinted over to her. And r- again, I got about 10 feet from her and she turned and walked <laughs> Did out. Did you see him? I had forgotten something. And so I walked in the second time. And got it and went back out. But you and, had no idea. But I didn't know. No. Yeah, she had forgotten my phone number is what she had forgotten. <laughs> Whatever. So so she goes running out. And this time, there's no way I'm going back to face my boss. So I actually chased her out the door like a crazy stalker <laughs> and ran all the way out to her car. And she was sitting in her car. And I walked up. And I don't remember what I said. I'm sure it was ridiculous and cheesy. Um, I didn't have much time to think about it. And I don't normally. In fact, I'd never done anything like that before, just out of the blue. Um, but I asked her, you know, if I could, if I could call her and she gave me a number and I went skipping back to my boss, like a kid at Christmas with this phone number. And he was just laughing hysterically because he said, you're even dumber than I thought you are. If you actually believe that's her real number. (laughs) But But it was, and that was the funny part was that I never gave out my real number. I was always too 
nice to say, no, I won't give you my, you know, that I, I don't want to give you my yeah. number, but I, but I did to him because he just had this big smile. He wasn't that jock kid that, you know, would always do that little nod, you know, like, right. So, you know, he would do so that. Trying he had this I'm great interested. big smile. And I love that. I just love that he wasn't afraid to show what a happy, good guy he was. So I remember when he started dating Mike. I was, Jill and I were broken hearted. <laughs> How old were you guys? Like, like little, little, huh? but we just knew like with, like it was different when Katie got married and then you were like the one who we knew the most from yeah. spending time at grandma and grandpa's. Yeah. And we just, we like hated you for years. Oh, like, like literally it was just like, you were the one who ruined it Randy for us. There are so many things that are left just unsaid. <laughs> just because. <laughs> and time I thought healed all wounds, but apparently in this case. No, it was just because right. like Randy was ours until you came in and then she was married to you and we didn't share. see her as much. Yep. So you stole Randy wow. from us. I'm not sorry. So I know. <laughs> the funny thing is, Ash, I didn't realize that there was all these pent up feelings because I always felt like you and I kind of had something special. You were, you were probably... I was probably, always so nervous around you. No, you really weren't. You were, I mean, you couldn't have been terribly old. You were probably like six, little. seven, eight years old. I remember coming to your basketball game one time. But I remember you would always come up to me and you were kind of shy, but kind of curious. And it was, it was fun because I, I still remember kind of playing with you and you would, when you would see me, you would come up to me, but you'd be kind of shy. You'd kind of come up and tug and want me to kind of tease you and... Really? Yeah. I don't even, yeah. I just remember being nervous around you and Jill and I were always like, remember Randy before Mike? <laughs> Jill's BM? My, Jill's Jill's my Randy sister. BM? Yeah, BM. Uh-oh. Remember when we used to sleep over all the time? <laughs> well, I'm sorry that no, I took okay. that from you, but... Yeah, that was our story. But I, I like guess. you now. Thank you. I like you yeah, now. That's what everybody was waiting for you to say. <laughs> yeah. right. It's over. It was like a little it. girl thing. Okay, Randy, how did you know, like, you've dated for a while? Obviously, like, mm-hmm. you like Mike. How did you know, like, what character traits or, like, what about him? Was there a time when you had, like, a feeling that he was the one? Or, like, when did you know Mike was the one? He was different from the very beginning. I think I think I just dated a lot of dumb guys before, but he was just so just happy, you know, like he just he was happy and we always were laughing and it was just it was just a good time. I always felt like I always felt like I was just his center, you know, that I was the center of his world when I was with him. And so I don't know. I, I think I felt that from the beginning, but um I don't know. I'm trying to think if there was any defining point because I knew before you did, you might say that you That's thought that. That's why I definitely, yeah. I then definitely he dumped knew. me and then we got back together. And got so married. the funny thing was, is that I, he a was A little dating. different here on our end. Alan's <laughs> <laughs> always like, don't bring me up. Yeah, she dumped me. You did? No, kind of. <laughs> if, if giving the wedding ring back is dumping. My mom did yeah. that to my dad too. Yeah. He See, was really involved with basketball. He got a scholarship for basketball, and and he was just spending a lot more time with that. And I felt like that was more important to him. In fact, he even said that. That's why I gave it back was because I he had said, right now my focus has to be basketball. You know, I've got this scholarship and whatever else. But And I just thought, you know, if we're getting married, that can't be your mindset, you know. But um, that's kind of like, that's so, in a good way, that's so you, like, you're so focused. Yeah. Like everyone is. knows that about you. That you're Absolutely. A hundred percent. It was funny, like dating, um, we would go and he, I would just be his rebounder. He would go and shoot. I mean, how many hundreds of <laughs> baskets did? I'm so sorry. No, but I mean, I loved being with him, so I was willing to do whatever, but 
he has just got this laser focus. Whatever he sets his mind to, he is after. And I think those were the big things was I just kept thinking he's so much like my dad, you know, in, in that he, he's a hard, hard worker. He, um, is dedicated and focused and he loved the, you know, the gospel or the church with, um, which was important to me. That's a big part of, of who I am. And so, um, those things were just a really, so how did, how did it come back together then? So, okay. Um, I don't think it was ever really. No, it was like, it was just like a night. It wasn't like, I don't like you anymore. Right. It was just like, you need to think about this maybe a little bit. And, and so the very next day we talked and. And he, you know, clarified that, of course, I'm his first and everything, but his focus needs to be on um, basketball at that time. And it really did. You know, that was paying for school. That was keeping him on the basketball team and all those things. But I just wanted to know that 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 wasn't the most important thing to him. You know, it was his focus, but I was his, right. you know, you focus. I mean, I was his number one, you know. So yeah. anyway, we got that clarified and it was happily ever after. How did you know Randy? It's the one. Seems like he knew at the bank. I really oh, did. Yeah. You know, it's really funny because I think, I, you know, you say I didn't know until later. And I, I don't know that I've ever even really discussed this with you. But when you ran out that first time, I sat there just really feeling dejected and just thought, I think I just really, really messed up. Like, I think that is the girl that I'm supposed to be with. And I sat there just feeling devastated, thinking, I can't believe I just let that get away. And... Anyway, when you came back in, that's why I was so quick to run back over there as I just thought, I, this girl's different. There was just something different. It was, I don't know, I've never been one to believe in these auras, but it was almost like there was an aura about her that, that I just, I knew that as soon as I saw her, that there was something different. But no, as I got to know her, um, it became apparent very quickly because we had similar interests. We laughed at the same dumb things. We, we had boy. fun. Tommy boy. <laughs> we'll date ourselves. <laughs> you know how old we are now. Um, no, it was just, it was a lot of things. The, the, our family relations, the, it was so fun. It felt so natural the way it all came together because our families knew each other so well. And turns out I knew um, her brothers. And uh, it was just, it all, everything just really came together. And, um, you know, Randy used to, to joke and, and say oftentimes that we just fit. And I think that that's probably the best way to put it is when I was with her, it was just, it was just different. We fit and I could tell she was the one and she was the one I wanted to be with. The problem, as she mentioned, is I was very distracted. I was not looking to get married or to even really have a serious relationship. Um, so I'm grateful for her for being patient and, and allowing me to get through the things that I was dealing with, to get through my schooling, to get through basketball. Um, you know, the good news is, is I can look back on that and feel like all those things were done and fulfilled and, you know, not carrying this resentment that Randy ever made me give something up because she supported me in those. She just wanted to know, you know, that she was number one in my life and she clearly was. And I just needed to do a better job of, of making sure that she knew that. So no, it was clear to me. It was very clear. Um, I knew that she was the one, I just wasn't ready to get married. So I was a little slower to commit. But it had nothing to do with whether or not she was the one. I knew when the time came that it was it was going to be with her. Sweet. Awesome. That's cool to hear. It always seemed like as in Ashley and I as many many seasons of watching The Bachelor together. Oh my, yeah. It seems like <laughs> just kidding. That's when, why you should get all of it. It just seems like all the couples end up getting married and say that there was something different. There's like they can't put their finger on it, but it was like a special feeling. So that's cool to hear something yet another yeah. couple say that. Yeah. Well it's funny too, we've talked about how, you know, we dated for a year, but holy cow, you're, you're basing 
that year on a decision that you're going to be together forever, you know, and, and we just thought that that was so funny that, that things have worked out as well as they have that, you know, we didn't know each other that well, but, but it was meant to be and that we're, we fit, we work together. Yeah. It's really amazing because for us to spend the rest of our lives together and to be compatible and to have the same goals and interests and ambitions in hindsight, I, I don't think either of us did the proper due diligence that we probably should have done. We were just in love. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? So, yeah, it so like a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. For us to, to fit as well as we do and to have the same likes and dislikes and interests and ambitions and goals, uh, I think is really pretty amazing. It's really kind of miraculous. Mm-hmm. That kind of leads into my next point I want to talk about. So y'all may not know, but when Dallin and I were first married, Dallin interned for Mike. Mike's a financial planner and Dallin was kind of thinking of going down that route and Mike would talk to Dallin a lot and then Dallin would talk to me about what Mike would say. And one of our struggles was that Dallin was so busy that we didn't see each other a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially those first couple years where he was in college and I was working and then he would go from college to internship to job and then we added kids into that and then we had side hustles and it was just, it felt like... Uh, Dallin and Ashley never happened. It was just kind of like passing at the doorways or being like, hey, good job. Like, have fun following your dream. I'll be home. Right, right. Um, And he said that you had talked to him a lot and and talked to him about, like, it was a really hard time for you guys, too, because you were, like, starting out on your path of becoming a financial Mm -hmm. planner. And Randy had two little babies at home. And I've always just kind of wanted to hear from, from Randy and from you, like how you got, like what helped you through that time? What like brought you together? What, what was your, like, what, what, what was that like for you? I um, guess? So it's kind of funny. I just, I, I don't know if it was just the way that I was brought up, you know, just in the very traditional, um, I, I guess old school way, just where the dad goes to work and the mom's home with the kids. And that was, that was my dream when I was little, I wanted to be a mama, you know? And so, um, part of my mindset was just that, you know, that's what happens. You know, you, you start off, you're poor and you get through school and you put your husband, you know, through those first years of his job and then, and then things are good, <laughs> you know? And so I kind of had that mindset, whether that's right or wrong. It, um, helped a lot. it did, you know, just growing up in that. But I think too, we had goals together, you know, like this is our goal for right now so that we could have something better. There was always just that hope of something better. I think that's important in your relationship and your job and everything, you know? And so we thought we'll sacrifice this time right now to have something more later. So I think that's, that says a lot, like you were following your heart and your passion. Like you always wanted, so it's easy to have hard times when you're struggling through something you love. And then like, you are obviously following your dream. So that helps a lot. I think Dallin and I had a hard time because for the first couple of years, like, we weren't following our dreams and we were like fighting down paths that weren't, that didn't feel, that didn't like bring us joy, I think. Yeah. So it felt almost worthless to be doing. Right. Like figuring out which wall to lean our ladder up against that we were going to climb up. And like, so we were going to college for this and then switched over to that in college and it sounds like you guys knew earlier than we did what, right. what your goals and then were, I, which yeah, is cool. Yeah. I was teaching and I didn't love it. Like, I loved it, but it just wasn't, it didn't, like, spark joy. Yeah, I think yeah. we did luck out that way just because so he knew exactly what he wanted to do. and Just from you or And I wanted to support for, like, him for that. And yeah. Did you study finance in school? I, my senior year. So 
I went to college thinking I would go to law school and, and kind of planned to be an attorney. And it really was probably the end of my junior year that I took a couple of finance classes. I had a few friends that had gone into finance that I started making that change. So I started interviewing between my junior and senior years. I started interviewing with um, some investment banks and and wirehouses and and things of that nature and ended up going that route. So no, I didn't always know that that's what I wanted to do. And fortunately for us, I consider myself very lucky, very fortunate that I got into a career path that I was very passionate about and loved and that it's worked out and it's something that I've been with forever and will continue with forever. But I like to think that I have the type of personality that that I probably could have found myself happy in a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm very self-motivated, and so being in a job where I was kind of acting as a sole practitioner, I liked that that all the accountability fell to me, that I could make my own fate. So I was in a, in a ca- capacity that allowed me to do that, but I like to think that I could have been happy in other situations as well. Yeah. Well, that's cool that you guys, like, I'm sure there were some, some really, really hard times. Oh, it was, for sure. When uh, So I got pregnant just a few months after we got married, which was totally unexpected and shocking and surprising and whatever. And so I ended up having to work graveyards while he went to school during the day. And, you know, I'd sleep sometimes when she would nap. And so it was a really hard time, but I guess just the hope of something better. We just always, we were excited about our future together, you know? And so it wasn't, we, we knew it was just a short term thing. So I think that was probably our biggest. Yeah. And I think, I think you need to clarify with that too, because our our happiness wasn't contingent upon the next event or the next big theme or right. the next thing that was going to happen. It wasn't, we will be happy when we get our first home or we will be happy when I get this pay raise or whatever it may be. That was never the case. I think we were always happy, right. but but we knew that with hard work that better things were going to, going to come. So we had goals and ambitions and we knew that we were headed down a route that with hard work that we could get to the next level. So, so we were happy of where we were at, but we knew that we could work hard and get to different places. And so I think that when I look back on it, I think was the hope for me was thinking that, that we can, we can accomplish these great things together and we can do and mm-hmm. have more. And I think it still is. I think one of the great things I love about my job is that we still have those types of goals and ambitions that mm-hmm. we can we can still do more and accomplish more. Yeah, that's awesome. Something that me and Ash want to, like, we've been talking about wanting to define more clearly, like, our vision board, like, where we want to see ourselves in, like, five years and just be able to refer back to that whenever we're making decisions. Dylan and I are hard because that's smart. It, it kind of sounds like you guys kind of lined up really well, but, like, Dallin's dreams are, like, in left, we're, like, when we got married, we're, like, totally different from what, like, my highest dreams were like they were both high dreams but just like different Different. places different it looks different right and we're just kind of still like mushing them together right in a good way way. yeah we've come a long (laughs) way decided where we want to live yeah like two years ago i was like what you don't want to ever leave utah what is (laughs) what do you mean right so it's been it's been a lot but i had a question for you mike um so mike is a financial planner. You've had a lot of interns. You've worked with a lot of people starting out in kind of like in the job field. Like Dallin was your intern. What is your piece of advice for someone wanting to like get a job, like wanting to impress in an interview? 
Oh wow. <clears throat> um, it's kind of a left field. Yeah, that was question. that was not the way I was expecting you to go with that question. So, with an interview, we do a lot of interviews. I mean, we we've been looking to hire a new person for our team in the last little while, and we just went through a round of interviews. First and foremost, show up early. And, I was and, late my first day. That's, like, that's like the thing I remember. Mike was like, if you weren't my family member, you would be gone. I said that to you out of love. I know, I know. It was good. Dallin told me, and I was like, Mike said that to you? I, I received it well. It was just, I felt like, yeah, it was, yeah. It was good. So that's funny. I did not remember that for what it's worth. <laughs> so I still don't remember even having that conversation with you. So... I remember we were hiring somebody a little while back and we, I did phone interviews and had a clear favorite after the phone interviews and thought this person, I don't know why I'm even going to do the face-to-face -face interviews. This candidate is clearly more qualified. So what, what are well the spoken. stages? You have to do a phone interview? So the, the firm that I work for did a bunch of uh, screening. They screened out resumes, then they did phone interviews and narrowed it down to a handful of people and then I said I'm willing to do phone interviews. So I did phone interviews, had one clear favorite. It wasn't even close. And, and I literally thought about not doing the face-to-face -face interviews because this person was such a clear favorite. But when we did the face-to-face -face interviews, <clears throat> this person showed up late, was dressed inappropriately, I think, for the interview, and was just way too nonchalant, was just too arrogant. I don't know if they were trying to act confident or what, but they were just laid back and, and, you know, leaning back in the chair with their legs crossed and just kind of flippant about the whole thing. And, um, by the time we got done, I, he was no longer even a candidate. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think those are important things. I think, you know, the job needs to be important. You know, you want people that um, want to be there and it's important to them and it means a lot to them. So I think those are all important things. I remember one of the first interviews I did with a, an investment firm out of New York, right out of college, um, I just got totally undressed by the interviewer. He he really ripped me to pieces. It was very, very humbling. And he let me know how poorly I did after the interview and, and all the things that I needed to go home and work on and basically said, you know, you've kind of wasted my time here today until you know how to do an interview. Go home and don't come back. Oh, wow. But, um, you know, I went home and, and for me personally, I'm incredibly OCD, but, but I went home and practiced. I practiced the way I was going to sit, the way I was going to, the mannerisms, the things I do with my hands. I practiced my answers. I rehearsed them in front of the mirror. You know, I, I, I really worked at it and I was very prepared for the next interview. In fact, I'm, I'm confident I was probably over prepared for the next interview, but, but I got the job. So sweet. So it was good. Yeah. That's awesome. Huh. Interesting. I just know a lot so of people... So know the job, like be passionate about it, because I'm sure you pick up on that really quickly, whether or not they like are really, really into it. Yeah, I think so. I didn't know everything. In fact, I knew very little, but you know, my point was, I said, look, I, I can learn. I have yeah. a track record of learning. You know, I can, I can figure this out, and the things that I've done in the past, I've, I've you know, worked to try to excel at them. So while I don't know everything about your, your industry, I, you know, I can show you from my track record that I will pick it up, that I'll learn it. But, but I was excited. I wanted to be there. And I let them know, I want this job. I really yeah. want this job. And then I harassed them. I called them the next day and the next day and the next day. And I sent them a handwritten thank you letter. And um, That probably showed a lot too, especially in like a sales position. Yeah. 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 So, and I think, you know, a lot of times and with these interviews, they can be a little bit mean to you in them because they know that in sales, especially that you're going to get rejection. And I think a lot of times they want to see how you're going to handle rejection. Mm-hmm. So they, they intentionally reject you to see if you can handle it and bounce back. I'm definitely not a salesperson. 
Maybe <laughs> start crying. <laughs> I did sales first. We talked about that a few podcasts ago about how Ashley and I did pest control for one yeah. summer. Dallin would always just find me crying in the bushes. <laughs> that would be me. When women would come out of their houses and offer me drinks and ask if I needed to make a phone call to a family member. <laughs> Please just get out of my bushes. I was like, no, I'm just crying in this bush. Who kidnapped you and made you sell their pest control? Crying is better than doing pest control. So. Okay, well, I think this is a good kind of segue. And we can come back to family life. Um, I wanted to just kind of like pick your brain about financial advice. I think that's a big pillar in having even just a successful marriage, a successful life. Um, Dallin and I listen to Dave Ramsey a lot, so we always just hear him yelling at us in our head to be smarter. (laughs) But I think it'd be cool to hear from you, like a person who manages wealth like people's wealth and who helps them to like coaches them to stay on track and to like achieve the best outcome is there I just have a few questions so like the first one is there anything you like in your personal life like being a financial planner now like seeing how things plan pan out like that you wish you started doing earlier like when you were first married like as far as money is concerned I think one of the most important things that we probably should have started earlier is a good budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I think that we probably should have started earlier was having us both more involved. Mm-hmm. I think especially with my background and with me being in the industry I was in, I kind of took over all the the, the family planning and our mm-hmm. family um, spending money management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think I, it wasn't that I was ever trying to keep Randy from it. And I... I willingly handed it over you know You're i was like, like this is your profession i'm totally fine with you doing that you know like this right is now. one less thing like, that i have to do you, you know? got it down just let me right. know what's going on right yeah. right but i don't think that's healthy i think it's very important for you to both be on the same page and you know it wasn't like mike ever hid anything for me or we had separate accounts or anything like that it was just that i you know i didn't look at all in time. fact i would show you i would i yeah. would often show you the the our, our brokerage statements or our, our bank account or whatever. And, and you never really showed a lot. Of I didn't. Answers. And then my daughter threw up on me and I was off to the races. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, it just, it just was not something yeah. that I had. A In hindsight, time. I wish that I had almost made you have more involvement. I do too. So I think that that's healthy. I'm a firm believer that, um, that both spouses should, should know where everything is at. I, I, I really believe that if a spouse doesn't have access, passwords and access to accounts, that, that something's wrong. That's, that's not a good sign. So I think, I think both spouses need to be involved and need to be engaged in the process, especially if you're going to budget properly. So really, I am much more big picture. I started saving. I started putting money into IRA accounts and savings accounts while I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I think I started saving very early. So we, we had a little cash reserve and then we had long-term money. We had uh, you know the, the, the retirement type stuff very early, but we weren't always good at budgeting. And, and yeah, and I think even now um, with Randy going back <laughs> to school and I think it's, it's definitely gotten her more engaged and and I would certainly say she's a better, better budgeter than I am. And I think I think that's an important thing. That's good. What's a good budget? Like, what do you guys mean by, like, dated, like, this is what we're spending this month kind of budget? So for my or... class, we had to do just first a whole month's worth of just your spending. Just watch what you're spending. And then um, put it into categories. And then you need to make a year's plan on 
based off of that, you know, first you look at it and you think, you know, is this, is this prudent to be spending this much money on this? You know, like I found that we spent a lot of money on eating out, you know, and it just does mm-hmm. not, I mean, it kind of made me want to throw up a little bit. And so, um, that's something that I've been saying, mm, it's not in the budget. Let's, you know, cut that back. And so, um, I brought it back to a realistic number of what we should stick to. And, um, and so just things like that clothing, um, everything, everything. So just categorize it out and then, um, it's, yeah. it's really interesting. So when, with my role that I had in the church from an ecclesiastical position, I would counsel with people on their finances. And one thing that I found people would come to me when they had financial issues and one, I could help them because of my background, but two, I could, there were times when it was, it was appropriate or prudent for me to help them, um, monetarily with, from the church. But in order to do that, we really needed to understand where they were at financially. And so a lot of times I would ask people to help me understand what their fixed costs are per month, what their variable costs are, what their income is per month. And the one thing that I found consistently in 100% of the cases when people had financial issues, they had no idea what those other things were. They did not know what their fixed expenses were. Um, each month, they didn't know what their variable expenses were. They didn't know what their income was exactly. Um, and then when I would ask them, I would give them a notebook and ask them to go home for a week and, and keep track of everything that they spend and then come back and let's let's review it. And they really, really struggled to do it. People had a really, really hard time just keeping track of their expenses. It it's not fun. Overwhelming. It's yeah, like, it's overwhelming. To begin a budget at that point, it's really overwhelming. Yeah, it's really overwhelming and it's not a lot of fun. It's It's hard when you have to be accountable for every penny. Because you start realizing how frivolously you can spend money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use mint.com, something that works for us. I don't know. There's, I'm sure, a lot. But if you haven't checked out mint.com, you should. It's not sponsored by them, but it's super easy. It's There's least, another least Dave Ramsey one that is great, too, that I started. Oh, yeah. What you use Dave Ramsey. I, yeah. So I did oh, yeah. in my class. Every dollar. Short time. Yep. Yep. It was. Every dollar. Yep. <laughs> Every dollar. So, anyway. Yeah. That, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. You like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we should try that one. Yeah. But Dallin and I were hard. It's easy to be, I think, hardcore budgeting when you're dirt poor. Like we were in yeah, college. Yeah, start now where it's you just so get it easy. into a habit where you But then when he got his job at Pluralsight, like that's, we kind of need to get back on the wagon because suddenly when your budget changes, it's hard to like go back, I feel like. Yeah, yeah it's easy to like. It's, it's easy it's, to get like ca- casual. Not saying we're like loaded now, but it's like. When you don't have to make decisions like, between this or this. Where you're like, like can like, we buy the cheese for our sandwiches? No, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, sure, just get a little bit of that, a little bit of that. And then like, it's your, your, your budget that goes over is made of a bunch of little, little expenses. So we, we should, Wait, we should get that's that. That's what on breaks that. it. Amazon Prime is what Amazon breaks it. Amazon basically <laughs> is what breaks our budget. <laughs> and kids. Uh, uh-huh. Okay, good. That's a good question. Um... What advice do you have for, aside from budgets, like basic, what, like the next point, maybe after, like for new couples or maybe after they've graduated college and they're in their first job, you have like what's budget. the next step? God, I think you touched on it. And this was a big thing that I've been learning in my finance class. And I just, for my class, I also had to read um, a financial book and I, I chose um, The Millionaire Next Door and all of them had a budget, number one. And number two, they started putting money away and their savings and letting the money grow for them and into, um, you know, diversified into different, um, investments and things. But they said, start young. That's, that's like a big, big thing is starting Mm -hmm. young, which you did. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, every additional five years, if you're assuming a a historical rate of return, which 10 or 12% realistically isn't, 
um, probably feasible right now, but historically that's been a, a reasonable number. If you use a, a number like that to compound over you know, 25, 30, 35 years, what you'll find is every additional five years that you're adding on to the end, this money almost doubles. Um, again, if you're getting a 10% return, it'll double in seven years. So the difference between you know, starting at 30 or 25 or 23 is, is significant. significant. It could potentially double your money. So if you wait... If you wait until you're 30 to start, then realistically, you're probably pushing retirement back five to seven years. So starting early is just huge. It's a big deal. And then putting in more as you can, right? Yeah. So I guess that's kind of like the secret to being wealthy and being like, I'm a Dave Ramsey nut. And that's what he says too. Just start, start early and put and be consistent. Um, What? Well, I'll make a comment on that. So... There have been numerous studies done where you've interviewed people from every wealth level, and it doesn't matter how much money they have. If people have a net worth of, of $10,000 or if they have a net worth of, of ten or $100 million, almost universally when they ask them how much money they would need to feel wealthy or to feel like they had more than enough, at almost every level they say 10% more than what they have. So everybody feels like they need a little bit more money. Uh, so uh, really, there's no true definition as far as a dollar amount goes to determine what is wealthy. I would say what wealthy is for those people that can live um, beneath their means, those people that are spending less than they're making. That That's wealthy. So whether you're making $35,000 a year or a million dollars a year, if you're spending less than you're making, I would consider you wealthy. So I would argue on that case too that, that there are people with, with millions of dollars that are not wealthy because they're they're headed down a bad path. They're spending more than they're making, and the money's dwindling. It's it, it will run out eventually. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, it, that brings hope to us because we don't make a million dollars a year. Right. So it's just like well, that was a cool thing too about the millionaire next door. It was, it was a really good book, but so many of them you know, made $60,000 a year, you know, combined income, Mm -hmm. but they were millionaires because they spent less than, you know, they, they earned. And so they were able to put money away and eventually grow their net worth where, you know, very high income earners, um, spent more and, and ended up not having as much net worth. So it's just a matter of just budgeting and spending less than you earn. I remember one time, you said, Mike said one thing, to, he, you were talking about people who you work with and you were like, like when you imagine a, a highly wealthy person, you imagine like the, like the huge mansion on the hill. And there are definitely people who are like that. But you said to me one time, like you would be shocked at how many of them are just like, you wouldn't be able to pick them out based on their house mm-hmm. just because like their the amount of money that they have invested doesn't, is not reflected by like the, the car they drive in the like house. the car they yeah. drive in the house that they well, have. several of your clients i mean he, they were just these tiny little homes in these big, i mean it's, it's like the millionaire story you would never know in a million years that they yeah. had the net worth that they do <clears throat> and that's not always true but it is a lot a yeah. lot of the time it's true that it, again they've just been very frugal they've got an old car and, and a lot of times when i'm doing planning with people i'll ask do we need to be budgeting budgeting in a new car I noticed you hadn't bought a car in you know 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Do we need to budget for a new car? And they'll say, why? My car runs great. So uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that have a lot more money than, than you would think. Now, I think there's a fine line. Um, I, I think that we don't want to be such penny pinchers and tightwads that we're totally unhappy because I've seen that too. I've got couples where 
um, one of them is such a such a penny pincher that that they're driving the other one crazy, mm-hmm. and and life is becoming miserable, and they can't do anything, they can't buy anything, um, but they've got a lot of money, but they're not very happy. <clears throat> and then I've seen the other side too, where people spend frivolously, and and then they're going to run out. So there's a real balancing act. And again, if we if we budget and set some numbers, if we say, hey, I'm going to set aside 10% of my income every year and put that into savings. Um, then you can go spend and you can feel good about it and you can feel comfortable and there's not going to be resentment between spouses and there's not going to be worry that that uh, that you're going to run out of money but you're still accumulating and trying to find some sort of a balance to enjoy life now too. Do you have a percent that you usually recommend people to be kind of putting away? No, it's hard to say but again, even if people would put 10% away, we would be a lot better off today than than yeah. we are. Um, you know, there's, there are numerous studies that have been done that, that say, you know, 44% of Americans couldn't come up with $400 cash right now for an emergency. So again, if, if people are even putting 10% away, they're going to be great. If you can put away 20%, you'll be better. Mm-hmm. Right? So no, I don't, I don't think there's an exact number, but you got to start somewhere. And, and if you can start now and it's, and maybe that number is 5% for you, then, then great. But if the number is zero, then you need to go back to the drawing board. Dylan and I are like taking notes. <laughs> um, a fun question that we like to ask is just to kind of like get in your heads and in the head of your family, I guess, in a way we could say that. Um, what's like your kids are leaving your house, like going off to college. Like what's your what's your like burning advice that you leave that you want them to leave with or like or by that point what do you hope they are leaving with like what you hope that if they it's have not something heads. that you're like hey before you go like let me tell you this one more thing like let's have a family meeting before you go and talk about this maybe it's just hmm. something i've t- i've tried to instill in you your whole life with me like what are you hoping they're leaving with i think my biggest thing and you know what we pray for every morning, you know, with our family is just that they can be kind to the people around them. I just, I think that that's going to bring you happiness and it's going to bring the people around you happiness. I just, I just, we were talking about this and I just don't think that there's anything ever wrong with, with just showing love <laughs> no matter what. I just, I think you're just a happier person that way. I don't know. What do you think, Sadie? Yeah. I mean, I would agree when, when people are talking about me when I'm not present, you, you know, you think about how do they want you to describe me? And I think, you know, if, if I was not in the room and somebody was saying, Oh, he's so kind. That's, that's one of the greatest things I think they could say. Mm-hmm. So no, that's, that's obviously very important, but I, I don't know. We've never consciously thought about that, but I think for Randy and I both, I think it's always been very important that our kids know that they're loved. Um, they know that, that, you know, we, we will love them and support them through anything, whatever trials or challenges or obstacles they go through that, um, that their parents love them, their parents, um, will support them and that this is a safe place. They can always come back here and know that they've got, um, people that, that care about them and want to see them be happy and want to see them succeed. So, um, I don't know. I've never, I've never really thought about that. I've never had that conversation. I've never given them that last bit of advice as they've run out the door, but um, but I think more than anything, I, I want, as Allie's gone off to college, the things that I've wanted her to know is how much I love her and how great she is. Just that, that she can accomplish anything and that she can be anything she wants. She can do anything she wants. And that sounds cliche-ish, but I truly believe that. I really believe that 
and whatever she puts her mind to. We live in America. I mean, this is a great country, despite the warts that we that we may have. Um, this is still, you know, the greatest country in the world. And, uh, you know, we can be anything we want here. I was getting a ride back to the airport and the person driving the car was from Malaysia. And he, in broken English, said, um, said, were you born here? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, you lucky. He said, you can have anything. He said, how about your kids? They all born here? And I said, yes. And he said, do they know they're lucky? They can have anything. And I think, you know, that's, I want my kids to know that. I want them to know if they put their mind to something that they can. And I think really for all of us that, that we live in a great country. And if we put our mind to it, that, that we can have and accomplish great things. Confidence, right? I think yeah. that I think that's kind of what it boils down to is we want them to have confidence in who they are and what they can become. I like that. What did you if if you don't know that's cool too, I'm just curious to know if there's any things that you did like as you're raising kids to to instill confidence, like anything specific that you guys do as a family or, or like activities or ways you approach um ways you approach like chores I don't know like things around the house and what anything that you do specifically to instill that confidence in your kids um it's so hard because each of them are so different you know like, yeah that's probably we've got the four kids and so each of them require something totally different um I think our third is probably the one that needs the most um confidence and so you know we talk about that a lot as as husband and wife and mom and dad and whatever and um I think we just spend more time with her, don't you? I think, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I think family time is a big, big thing. I think, I think that's, that's just huge for them to know that they're important within our family. And if they're important within their family, then they're important people, you know, and just, cause it's hard for me every, every morning. I have a hard time sending my kids off to school. It's <laughs> my, my kids laugh at me because they'll be like, are you crying? You know, and sometimes I am because I just think, holy cow, what are you going to face today? You know, what's going to knock you down a little bit or whatever. And it breaks my heart. And so I think a big thing, you know, that I rely on is that, you know, in our, my faith is just that I, I can call on my heavenly father to bless them and help them through their day. But just that they know that they're loved within our family, I think gives them the confidence to to go on, you know, to do the hard things that they have to do. Well, I think you guys are really good at that because literally, like, all of your nieces and nephews have lived in your house. (laughs) Like, we've all felt comfortable enough to come over and be like, we need a place to live and, like, we choose, like, if you let us, like, you're the one where we want to come live with. That's what we want. That's that's Just because we know we're loved here. That's awesome. Thanks, Ash. That's what we want for sure. You guys do a cool thing, I know, or I think you've said it to me a couple times that you do like family meetings or meetings with your kids. Mm-hmm. Do you want to break that down a little bit, like what that looks like? Um, so we have family home evenings um, every week, but we also have a family council um, where we talk about what we're doing that week. Every um, week with your with Yeah, and, you know how hard it is when schedules come up and conflict and whatever. But is there we, a specific day? Sunday. Sundays. Uh, so we like to just talk about what our week is going to hold and... Um, you know, what everyone's schedules are and what we're going to work on for that week. And it's, it's nice. Like sometimes we'll focus on, um, you know, this is what our focus is for this week and, and we'll go with that. Um, yeah. But like I said, we, we kind of sucked off on it. It comes and goes where you're, 
Well, sometimes <clears throat> sometimes they're more formal than others. Mm -hmm. I think we, we always do it. It just may not be as formal. Right. But we kind of treat our kids like they're our little mini board of directors. <laughs> so even like with our vacations, you know, our kids are involved in that decision-making process. And we we tell them to go put together their PowerPoint presentation or <laughs> Sophie will print pictures off the computer and David will draw stuff. Mm -hmm. And That's they'll awesome. come back with these persuasive arguments why we should well, they do cool go on one trip. Well, they do like team up with each other. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember when like it was Disney Cruise versus something yeah. else. I don't remember what, yeah. but... Yeah, the best PowerPoint one. <laughs> yeah, right. But we, we try to let them have a say. You know, we don't um, want a dictatorship. We want them to be involved. And obviously there are times when, when Randy and I are the final say and we have to make an executive decision. But, but we want our kids to learn to, uh, to be able to express themselves and to be able to speak and to be involved and to make decisions and to go through that process. And, and so I think, you know, we've, we've tried to involve them in that, but we, we've also done, and, and maybe not as, as well lately as we should, but we've also done one-on-one -on -one interviews mm -hmm. with the kids where we sit down and, and try to talk to them about what they're going through and what they're doing. And, and it's a great time. I mean, Randy is so much more intimately involved in the kids' lives because she's home. She, she knows which neighbor kids are, are in the pantry eating the cookies and <laughs> who the kids are playing with. And, and I just don't. So, you know, when I have a t chance to sit down with them like that, I'll ask them, you know, who their friends are. Who's your best friend? Who do you play with? Who do you like? Who do you want to be friends with? What do you tell me about your teacher? And I get it. It's just a chance for me to ask them questions that, that I don't always know. And, and it doesn't even have to be in these formal sit downs. I can do it in the car when I'm driving them to practice or whatever. But it's, it's nice to, <clears throat> to talk to them about that and to find out kind of what's on their mind and, mm -hmm. and what they're dealing with to, to just stay close with them in their lives and know that we're engaged because the day will come when kids have challenges and have problems and have things that they need to talk about. And it's been important for Randy and I to make sure that our kids know that they can talk to us when those things come up. So if we get them in the habit of speaking to us, hopefully they'll be more likely to do that. That's good. This is all good for me and Ashley here because our kids don't talk to us yet. Right. <laughs> At least in like full sentences. But it's the right thing too. Like in teacher school, when I was learning to be a teacher, in, we had like a year of classroom management. Like, how do you get a group of 30 kids and instill in them, like, the desire to follow rules and mm -hmm. to be kind to each other? And it was giving them a say in how the classroom runs mm -hmm. and listening to them yeah. and, like, letting them share what what's going on in their lives and know that you care. And that was how, like, how to develop, like, a strong classroom community. Right, and I think, you know, it goes back to the confidence thing, too. You know, if, if they feel like they have a voice within our family... And I think they have a voice outside the home too. You know what I mean? They they mm -hmm. realize that their opinions and their thoughts are valued and and they can feel more confident sharing those things with friends or at school or whatever it might be. So, the families with that foundation. Right. That they go out from. Right. That's cool. Right. Do you guys have a family motto? I'm curious. We don't. I mean, I think we do. Dallas it's not is like always like, down. we need a motto. I want to have like a, I want to have written <laughs> and out it's somewhere. Like, it, just we have like, like I'm always like, it, it can be short, Dallin, and he's like, it's like eight sentences long. <laughs> <laughs> no. Memorize, memorize. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm just curious to know. It's cool if, if, if there's any, like, a saying that you have or a motto or anything like that. No, there's not. No? Although I like that. That would be fun to... That's how I... I'm like, well, that's a cool idea. Right. <laughs> but no, I have not. We <clears throat> haven't no. come up with one. There have been a few times when I've told one of our kids, our last name's Pierce, and I've said things to David or any of the girls where I'll say, you know, Pierce's don't do that. And I don't say that sounding like we're better, we're better, 
but I, I want them to have pride in who they are and the and the and the values that we do have. So and talk with them about that. You know that when when they know that they are a member of the Pierce family, that you know they need to live up to something. You know that we're good people, and we want we want them to reflect that. And that's good too. That's yeah, part of classroom cool. management too. Yes, we are doing so good, babe. I well, was like, our class doesn't do that, guys. That's right. awesome. We know better. Right. I love yeah. that. Just that pride and the confidence from being heard and being part of this family unit. Like, right. if it just seems like the fountain that like that affects everything, every other part of their lives. People want to feel special, and right. you just have to let them know, like, this is special about you. Like, you're part of this family. Well, just growing up in my family. Um, People knew if we, you know, if I said my last name was Pennington, they're like, oh, so you're so-and-so's sister or your parents are so-and-so. And, you know, like, wow, you know, it was just, and it wasn't because they were wealthy or anything like that. It was just because they were loved by so many people because of the type of people that they were. And so I want, I want that for our family. You know, I want us to live in such a way genuinely that people, you know, expect a certain certain something that's that's cool i want to develop pride like that kind of pride with our kids too well i totally had that growing up too like everyone in our town knew who i was everyone in my church knew who i was knew who my grandparents were like when i went on a date with a boy and their parents found out i was a pennington they were like oh my gosh yeah like she's a keeper i had a mom be like thank you for going on a date (laughs) (laughs) and it was so shocking to me like not in a bad way, but, like, when I met Dallin's family, they were super nice and super welcoming, but they weren't, like, please marry Dallin. Please, like, it would be a blessing to our entire family line if you joined this. It was just, like, oh, let's get to know you. Like, let's make yeah. sure Dallin's making yeah, the right choice. I, I remember I came You're home like, to Randy, me. and I was, like, I was just, like, we were both just flabbergasted. <laughs> Not in, like, Do they know how amazing you are? Not in a prideful way, but I was like, Randy, I've never had to like prove like myself. prove myself to anyone. Sorry, we're not from Georgia. Right. I know. But it was, I think that was such a blessing for us, you know, having our older siblings and aunts and uncles and whatever uh-huh. um, set such a high standard that I wanted to live up to that. You know, I didn't want to let that down. I didn't want people, I was to, like, I want people to say that to our It was team. like a princess walking into another country <laughs> yeah. and no one was like bowing Bow down before to me. me peasant. <laughs> I was like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> yeah. No, I want our kids, like the people that date our kids, if they ever date our kids. To just right, to walk ever. around thinking to, they're a to, gift. Like, yeah, I want their, yeah, I want people to feel that about our family. That's cool. That's how I, I felt. like it. Yep. Okay, that wraps up part one. Don't worry, you don't have to wait. Part two is already ready for you. So listen to that one next because we dive into marriage and family a little bit more with them. Build a big little life.